10, 5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits, cover is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Boba. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll break down the first two games of the A-State soccer season. They're underway. Volleyball season gets underway for real at home later on this week. And preseason football camp is in the books for the Red Wolves. We'll talk about everything that's going on with Coach Jones and his crew as well. But Right now, we have a special guest in studio, former all-conference safety for the Red Wolves, FCA representative in Northeast Arkansas, and a new member of the football broadcast crew this season. Thrilled to have him in studio today. It's Justin Clifton. How you doing, Jay Cliff? I'm doing well. Thanks for the the amazing intro right there. You know? It's a pretty good one, isn't it? That's kind of our specialty former, uh, around here. Former A-State football schedule poster model. <laughs> man, yeah, I, I remember uh, posing around for that. That was glory days right there, man. <laughs> now, was that your senior season? So, funny enough, I think I was on there. I was on there as a freshman. Oh, I was ecstatic. I was like, I can't believe this. And then... Uh, <laughs> I think it was when they had like multiple guys for like each game they had on the schedule. But then I I think it was a senior year when we had like the high tech camera hanging over us and we're like doing these crazy poses. It was yeah, I can remember that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But now there was also the one year, and we're already kind of veering off topic. (laughs) Yeah, there was the one year. There's no topics that uh, it like literally was like the schedule poster was full on Madden curse. That there were like five guys on it, and yeah, yeah. every guy on it ended up getting like yeah. hurt for the year. I mean, yeah. it was the year Forrest got hurt, mm-hmm. and Logan Bonner was on there, and he yeah. got hurt. And it was right on down the line. <laughs> every guy on the poster got hurt. Why'd you have to bring that out? <laughs> That's why we don't have a player on the football poster this year. <laughs> yeah, your last year was 2018. It seems like just yesterday Yeah, it that is. you were out there. Does it feel like five years since you played? Mentally, no. Body-wise, yes. (laughs) My body definitely feels a lot better for sure, but mentally I'm still like – it's hard for me to watch football without diagnosing it. I'm like, oh, yeah, the safety should have did this, or oh, this right here is about to come, or I'm looking at the formations of the game and all of it, and I'm like, oh, it's about to happen. So that type of aspect of uh, football, is, I think it's going to forever be with me. To that end, Mm -hmm. can you enjoy watching football, or do you drive yourself crazy? (laughs) When it's my team, oh, I drive myself crazy. When it's other teams, you know, I'm like, oh, don't bother me as much, but you know. (laughs) But when it's my team, I'm like, oh, my wife's probably mad at me because I yell so much in the house. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm guessing you're watching these guys in preseason camp, and you're like, hey, I'm fine having that part over with. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Uh, especially during fall camp. Oh. Yeah, especially during camp, (laughs) and especially during a week like this. I mean, uh, excessive heat warnings and everything else going on. So, did you get out of it pretty good, or do you have any lingering aches and pains? I would say I got out of it pretty good from from most guys. Most guys I've talked to, they've had some pretty rough things to deal with. Granted, most people tell me, wait till I'm about 40, 50, and then, (laughs) then talk to them again. But I had some minor injuries. I had a few knee injuries, but nothing too critical. And then, uh, of course, I tore my pick my freshman year. So that that's about it. My shoulders pop like crazy, but I'm doing fine. I still get up and go play basketball, work out in the morning, do all that. So 
All right, so let's kind of tell your story a little bit. You're from Tupelo. Mm-hmm. Tell us about uh, growing up there. Tell us about your family a little bit. Yeah, so uh, growing up in Tupelo, I grew up with four brothers. So it's five of us in all. Uh, I was literally just talking to my younger brother as I came in here. Uh, now, where are you in the order there? So I am fourth of the five. Okay. So I was the baby until my younger brother come and he took all the glory from me in the end. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, funny enough, I mean, it was just us five, my mom, we grew up, we kind of grew up uh, on the rougher side of Tupelo for a while and then life kept going. We kind of got out of that area and then um, I found out that through circumstances that I'm pretty good at this sport we call football here and man, I, me and my brother that's right above me, his name is Antonio, uh, he actually played at Tennessee Martin and we, me and him, we competed on everything. And then uh, that competition led to, I would say, us in the past being able to play me at Arkansas State and him at Tennessee Martin. That was one of the best things ever. I've always been able to play football with my brother growing up throughout uh, my adolescence. So, Tell me about your mom because yeah. a single mother raising five boys, oh, yeah. it takes a special type of person to do that oh yeah one i would say this i always say this but uh as she laughs but it's true she is crazy that woman is crazy but i love her to death i would say although there was five boys nobody put fear in our hearts more than she did (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because um alan johnson who was the guy that like came over for uh, my home visit he comes in and um i'll never forget uh he can tell you the story it's one of the most funniest stories ever my mom she had a rule. If like she's not home, you don't open the door. You don't just open the door for anybody. So my youngest brother at the time, I'm probably 17. He's probably like nine. And so because Johnson comes, he knocks on the door. Nobody else is home. I'm still at practice. My mom's still at work. He knocks on the door. And my brother recognized Coach Johnson from when we came on the official visit. And so uh, he opens the door and he goes, uh, nobody's home right now. So I can't let you in. <laughs> And he shuts the door, opens it back up, and he says, uh, Coach Johnson, don't tell my mom open the door. All right? uh, I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> and so, Coach Johnson tells this story all the time. He's like, your secret's safe for me, buddy. But my mom, as far as instilling discipline in us, was uh, very good at that. As far as uh, making sure that we could kind of take care of ourselves, she was never one of those moms that was like over abrasive in a sense to where we couldn't handle our own lives or figure out things on our own. But also, even though my mom was working like crazy and with all five of us, she always tried her best to make every event that we had regardless. I mean, and she would work like crazy sometimes. And some days I would look and I'd be like, man, mom's not at the game. But then I look up and it might be third or fourth quarter and she's there. And I'm like, she made it. She made it. Yeah. So you remember that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then she was the loudest one at all the A-State games. I could hear my mom. (laughs) Out of thousands and thousands of fans in the in the stadium, I could hear my, I could be on the other side of the field and I could hear my mom yelling louder than anybody else. It's crazy. Now you said like she took care of y'all, but also kind of taught you to be independent. So she oh, yeah. so in other words, she wasn't calling the coach and grabbing about your playing time. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> now she did call the coaches every once in a while when I didn't call her back as as a student athlete when I was there and I didn't pick up the phone. She would call the coach and be like, "You tell my son." He better call me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you, you realized you were pretty good at football. 
was that the only sport growing up? How did you realize that football was it for you? Funny. I mean, I, it's kind of a, I say it's a miracle story. Through a happenstance, me and my brother and some other kids in the neighborhood, we were playing football outside, like in the middle of the road. It was just, I don't know what we were doing. We had all the grass in the world, and but we decided to play in the street. And there was a guy named Coach Russell. He was driving through the neighborhood, and uh, he saw us out there playing football, and he just asked. I think I was nine at the time. My mm-hmm. brother was 10. He goes, hey, you guys want to play football? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And um, so he would come to the neighborhood and pick us up, literally takes us, and we didn't have any type of money or anything, and he got us pads, got all these things, and random guys pulled out of the neighborhood that just ended up showing up playing football, and we were killing it, and it was crazy. Me and my brother, we would go out there, and it, to us, it was just like playing backyard football. We was just out there having fun, you know, and it became one of those deals that kind of grew. Next thing you know, we're making, like, the travel team, and we're doing all these things, and that led into junior high, and then junior high, uh, I believe, when we got to junior high, we started doing track and we started doing basketball and all the other sports and I mean we were always active we was always kids that was outside playing anything that that could like speaking truthfully anything that could get our minds off of maybe the living situation that we were in or Mm -hmm. even anything that could get our minds off of just the world at the time of just being able to go out do a physical activity, have fun, and don't worry about the cares of the world was always what we wanted to do. You had a great high school career. You had choices coming out of high school as far as going to college. You said your older brother played at Tennessee Martin. Mm -hmm. So why Arkansas State? Yeah. Did uh, Alan Johnson have that good of a recruiting pitch? You know, between Coach Johnson, Coach Anderson, and Coach Tucker, I tell you, they really sold – Arkansas State to me very well and not even you know most people have that phrase of sold a dream I don't believe they sold a dream I think they sold reality and that's what I got when I came here so truthfully I never thought I would end up at Arkansas State I had every intention of going to Ole Miss and I would take officials to Ole Miss all the time go to and uh, be up there and this was when Freeze was there and uh, along that recruiting process toward the end of my junior year going into my senior year Freeze uh, tells me like, hey, man, we like you a lot, but right now we're kind of having you as like the number two guy in our recruiting deal. And that, he was very honest with me, and I really appreciated it. At the time, I, I was upset, but looking back on it, I really appreciated his honesty because he could Not everybody just, does. Yeah, he could because he could have just drugged me along all day, and he just told me, hey, if we don't get the guy that we want, well, then we'll turn around and give you an offer. He didn't say it like that, but that was basically yeah. what he's saying. And so – I want to say, so my offensive coordinator in high school, who was an O-line guy who played at um, Ole Miss, he was friends with Matt Luke, and like they were like dorm buddies and all that. They grew, they were like playing college football together. And so um, me and Coach Luke, we would visit time to time and talk on the phone because he was in charge of that Tupelo area. I believe Luke actually ended up putting words in for me at other schools, and I think um, – what happened was, word got out to Arkansas State, Coach Tucker came to Tupelo, then I came to Jonesboro, and then the rest was history. I mean, it was, I think what really got them to, they sold it to my mom. My mom was in from the jump. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> when they won my mom's heart, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to, you know, and it's very hard to do that. When you can convince my mom on something, I was like, this might be the place that I need to be at, you know, and I'm glad I came. It's interesting what to go back with Coach Freeze because yeah, you 
grown man, Justin Clifton, knows he was honest with you and, and, and really listen, did you a solid, but as a you're a kid, that's, oh, yeah. that ain't the news you're trying to be hearing there. Yeah. Especially not. Cause I, and I think that's the misconception around a lot of athletes. They think, man, if I don't go one of these big schools or if I don't make it SEC or whatever, then I'm not – I really didn't do well with that. That is such a horrible, horrible uh, way of viewing things. And it's just not reality. It's a blessing to go to any D1 school. It's a blessing to go to any college to play sports in general. So um, I think learning that more than anything was, uh, one, humbling. But, two, it definitely opened my eyes to see that no matter where you go, there's going to be competition. Well, one thing about when you got here – to Arkansas State. It's not something you see very often where a true freshman gets into the starting lineup as quickly as you did. I mean, but you were in there as a true freshman. Did it kind of surprise you that it happened so quick? I would say, yeah. Funny enough, I was just telling a story to my younger brother because he's kind of going through that. Uh, He's playing juco ball. And I was telling him, I was like, man, I remember going through fall camp my freshman year and J.D. McKissick would destroy me out there. <laughs> so I'm coming in, and they're uh, training me up to be a defensive back and nickel. Man, my coverage skills were horrible. I mean, just being honest, they were not Well, you were good. a linebacker in high school, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so they so would. So you had moved to safety. Yeah, they, they would play me all over the place. And sometimes even in high school, I would be like on the line of scrimmage like because I was one of the strongest guys on the team. So they would put me on the line of scrimmage just to like stop some runs or something. And so when I got to college and they were like, hey, we're going to uh, train you up to do some defensive back stuff. And I was like, okay. I, I was for it because – my brother, he plays safety, and so we would always do drills together and stuff like that. But coverage it was a whole different ball game. Yeah. And so Coach Johnson had no mercy. He just threw me out there. He's like, go guard J.D. McKissick one-on-one right now. And, I mean, I, I looked like a lost duck just sitting out there in the water. Well, J.D. Like, was a senior at that yeah, point. Yeah. And here you are as a true freshman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was running circles around me. It was crazy. And then him, so I'm also a freshman. I'm guarding Grizz, and I'm like, this guy's like bulldozing me all over the place. <laughs> and so my eyes was probably as wide as, as any kid in the new situation. I was like, you know, soaking it all in. But I ended up, during fall camp, getting the starting position. And uh, I was sharing this with my brother because he's kind of going through a similar deal. And in a matter of three days, I lost it just like that. I got it. Uh, we had our first scrimmage. I did so good. Three practices later, we have another scrimmage. I didn't do so well. And immediately, I lost the starting position just like that. And I was like, man, like this is like crazy. And I was sharing it with my younger brother to let him know, like, you know, it's a performance-based deal. You have to be able to be on point, like, yeah. no matter if it was – you might have did good last scrimmage, but it's just like during the season, every game is different. You need to bring your A game every game and perform a certain way every game. But leading you to the season, Charleston Gurley, who I give a tons and tons of praise for, because Charleston Gurley took me under his wing when I came in as a freshman, and he literally taught me pretty much everything I knew, which was so mind-blowing to me for a guy that I'm competing with to take his spot is willing to teach me Everything he knows, not hiding anything from me, with the possibility that I'm, I'm going to be starting over you. And uh, he did it with no questions asked. I mean, there were times where, like, 
without even video, like having a scheduled practice or having a scheduled film session, he would call me and be like, hey, come on, let's go to the film room. I'm gonna show you this right here. You need to learn about this. And so like he taught me that as a freshman. And I and so I always give thanks to Charleston Gurley for what he instilled yeah. and did for me as a freshman. And then sure enough, three or four games in, I'm playing and I'm getting a lot of playing time, but Charleston goes down and now I assume his role and I'm playing for the rest of the year pretty much and I'm like man this is and I like I said I could never give praise enough to Charleston Gurley for what he did so who was it that um had to reassure you when JD's running around you and Grizz is running through you who had to say hey that doesn't mean you suck those guys are pretty good yeah man that's that's funny uh <laughs> yeah I mean that's, that's true though uh everybody that knows Coach Johnson he's one of those guys who is going to tell you straight up I would say Coach Johnson has a kind of fatherly way about him when it comes to his position room specifically I think uh everybody in that room would everybody that has been in that room agrees with me he's very much so about details and discipline he's a military guy. yeah military he's like I people tell us a story like about building bombs he was like if you build a bomb on one bad bomb one bad move on building a bomb and boom everybody blows up and he's like I, I was like well I, 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 this is football I just took one step out <laughs> <laughs> but uh he would literally of course get on to me about the details and the discipline that he was telling me to do that I wasn't doing as a freshman when I'm guarding JD but then he would also give me the encouragement and give me reassurance that you know you're just starting out you're gonna get there and I think that also has to do with the players mentality as well because even though like I was hard on myself but also I, I, I was willing to not give up and I think uh, as long as you got a player that's willing to not give up and continue to give effort a coach can always always uh, work with it in that freshman season, and it's the sixth game of the year, I guess, and uh, I guess the second conference game, you're playing at South Alabama. Mm-hmm. We're down 31-20 to 20 early in the fourth quarter, and we went on a five-minute stretch, unlike anything we've ever seen, where we scored 29 points in, I think, five minutes and 15 seconds. And two of those scores, and really those defenses back then, Coach Cawthon's defenses were known for defensive touchdowns. I think we were top five in the country in defensive scores there for several years. And uh, two of those scores during that stretch were defensive touchdowns. Javon Roland Jones had a strip sack. It was recovered in the end zone by Chris Stone. But the last touchdown during that stretch was your first career interception a pick six, you return it 37 yards. And I remember that very vividly, mm-hmm. calling that play. But I'm sure that's got to be one of your big highlights as well. So if you ask me about that, I could tell you it happened so fast. I have I, I can't recall the whole play. All I know is I had the ball and I was running. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny, though, because uh, I definitely don't forget the play because uh, I definitely remember it. The first time I ever got an interception as a as a college athlete, and even for the first time to get an interception and return it uh, for a touchdown, and so it was one of those deals. I think we had backed them up so much to the point where like they had to start throwing the ball. And as always, when especially when I was playing, 
the defensive line were animals, man. They they were monsters. You when you tag along Javon Rollin Jones, Chris Stone, Chris Odom. Well, that was the biggest difference from the year before because that defensive line was just decimated yeah. in twenty fourteen and then you came in in twenty fifteen and the biggest need was defensive line play. And you had a lot of good young defensive linemen. Yeah in that class with you. Yeah. I, w- I will always have the philosophy of if you want to have good DBs, you have to have a good D-line. I mean, it works hand in hand. I I can't tell you how many times the ball would just be sometimes just falling in your lap because the defensive lineman was right there in the, in the quarterback's face. Not even just getting a sack. You know, sometimes I know those big guys want the sack, but just being in the quarterback's face works wonders for the DB all the time pretty much. But those guys, I mean, I, I believe what happened was uh, Javon ended up hitting a killer move because I watched this in film the next day of course when we have film sessions Javon ended up hitting like a killer move on the on the uh, left tackle basically hits him with a dip and rip and then uh, throws his back shoulder off of him and runs and gets quarterback pressure and the quarterback of course seeing Javon Roller Jones who is all the time sacking the quarterback he's like I gotta get this ball out he just throws without even thinking about it and I end up literally looking to my right and I'm like oh there's a open guy and I run over here and the ball falls right in my lap and I took it on home to the touchdown and I remember coming to the sideline and one of the one of my favorite moments about that whole deal had nothing to do with the touchdown but more to do with uh, when I got to the sideline and seeing Coach Johnson's face Cody Brown's face Money Hunter's face Bo Cinemore's face and BJ, all those guys, like seeing those guys' faces around me celebrating with me meant way more to me than the touchdown itself because uh, it was just one of those things. Even Charleston's face, like yeah. as a guy who's hurt because he had hurt his uh, ribs. I can't remember if they were cracked or bruised, but he had hurt. He had a uh, guy cracked pretty hard and uh, in his, ribs, his ribs was messed up, but he's like sitting there halfway breathing, like trying to celebrate <laughs> with me. And so like I just remember that more than anything. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies we win our tomorrows wherever we play wherever we fight wherever we overcome odds we're winning our way simmons bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of a state women's athletics not just for a season but for a winning future seasons are short but fierce is forever Simmons Bank, member FDIC. This is Coach Butch Jones, and we need you to help our A-State athletic programs by donating to the Impact Club. This is an organization that is making a real difference in the lives of our student-athletes. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access that you will not find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at impactclub.com. That's impact spelled I-M-P-A-C-K-T club.com. Your support is greatly appreciated and is helping our programs right now. Wolves up. Talking with Justin Clifton here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. You went on to have a great four years at A-State, but after your career was over, you end up going into the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Yes. Talk about how you were led into the FCA. Yeah, so that's a story within itself. It's so crazy because if you would have asked me when I was playing at A-State, would I be doing this? I would have told you no. I would have been like, I'm going to be playing football for the rest of my life. (laughs) But as I was at A-State, a guy named Todd Bumgarner, he came into my life and impacted it more than I think probably anybody has. Um, 
And of course, you guys know Todd from being the big baseball guy he is. You know, that guy's a freak athlete, man. I mean, I've never seen somebody just grab something and just pick it up without even trying. (laughs) But (laughs) he was a fantastic player. He was one of those guys that I would meet with often. Me and Justice Hansen, no matter how much we hated each other between the fields, because he was a quarterback, off the field, man, me and Justice had a great relationship because me and Justice was in D group or small groups together mm-hmm. with Todd. And um, Todd would walk us through biblical passages. He would answer our questions. We would uh, deal with the things of life that we were dealing with together. And uh, it was a truly, truly a blessing. And then uh, leaving out of college, I remember vividly Todd coming up to me like three or four days before I was like about to be done with college. And he was like, hey, man, we have this FCA camp that we do every year. If you have a chance, I want you to come with me. And I'm like, Todd, this is probably going to be the last time you see me until a long time. I didn't say this to him, but I'm thinking to myself like, Todd, you're never going to see me again. All right. I'm gone. I'm out of here. I'm about to go play in the NFL. That's what I'm thinking to myself, at least. I go on from there, and uh, I leave. I go home because during this time, I want to be with my family. The draft happens, all that, and I get nothing. It was mind-blowing to me. I was like, I got nothing. I was like, that's crazy. So, I, And, of course, I'm upset and all that, but uh, I end up going back to Jonesboro. I come back to Jonesboro, and uh, the first person I run into is Todd, and I'm like, oh, God, I can't get away from this guy. He's always there. <laughs> <laughs> Like he just he was like, Hey man, we leave for camp in three days and I'm like, They leave for camp in three days. I was like, I ain't I am not ready for camp. And so he drags me down to camp and at camp I experienced guy like I've never experienced before in the sense of uh actual servitude servitude of just like serving the kids that are there at the camp as far as like seeing God work in the life of others like no other and then even in my own heart of just uh, my own selfishness and the, uh, my own ambitions that I wanted to do and through that I realized like maybe football isn't what I'm supposed to be doing maybe ministry is what I'm supposed to be doing so at this camp there's no service at this camp at all the camp is like three days after the draft. So mm-hmm. anybody could be contacting me at this time, trying to get me to go to some, rookie uh, mini a camp, rookie yeah. mini camp or CFL or anything. And there's no service at this camp. So I don't know what's going on. And so literally after camp, we get off the campgrounds and my phone's like lit up with uh, numbers re- that, that have tried to reach out to me. My agents called me multiple times. When my agent called me, I called my agent back. He's like, man, where you been? I've been trying to get in contact with you. You haven't heard anything from you. And I told him, I was like, man, I'm done with football. I believe that the Lord is calling me into ministry. And so I'm not going to be playing football anymore. He had some guys that was, that was reaching out to him. They wanted me to do stuff. But I was like, I think the Lord is calling me in a different direction. And God works in mysterious ways. That guy, his name was D.P. Dillon. He's from California. He flew down to Jonesboro to meet with me. And the only agent that did that, everybody else was like trying to call, talk to me on the phone, whatever, yada, yada. But he flew down to Jonesboro to me when he said, I knew when I flew down to Jonesboro and we sat there and ate, he said, when we ate over there, I knew you was a different guy when I met you. And he's like, when you get everything set up with your ministry and what you're doing, I want to be the first one to support you. And he was. He was the first guy to wow. support you. Wow. That's a great yeah. story. Yeah. That's how, after all that, I ended up going into ministry and going with FCA. Um, long story short. So even though that's kind of a long story. But. <laughs> no, it's a fantastic story. Sure is. We've had both Todd and Darius Dunaway in mm-hmm. on this podcast, and they've told their stories and just love how you guys as former A-State student athletes are, are still here and having a big impact on the community. I know you're working with 
high school students primarily. You work with A-State students as well, but you brought it up in conversation several times. It's pretty neat that one of the high school coaches you deal with on a regular basis now is over at Nettleton, and that's your former position coach, Alan Johnson. He's even got you golfing now, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. When I leave here, I'm going over there to see them as they're uh, probably getting ready for the game they have Friday. But, uh, yeah, it's it was so hilarious going over to Nettleton. So I had, like, so Coach Johnson was still coaching when I first started FCA at A-State. So I had already started FCA going on with the high schools and all that. And then one year, the ne- like, I think the next year or maybe two years afterwards, I go back because in the summer we're, like, doing all these FCA camps and all that stuff. So, like, I'm not able to be at the high school a lot. But around this time, like, when school started back, I show back up and I'm, like, getting everything going and getting ready for the semester. And I show up and I'm like, what is Coach Johnson doing here? And I walk in there and and sure enough, he's a defensive coordinator. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I was like, <laughs> I was like this is hilarious. And so it was also great. He's done a great job over there at Nettleton. Yes. The people love him over there. And the kids love them for sure. I mean, kind of the same deal I told you about. Uh, sure. I mentioned earlier that kind of fatherly aspect he has to him. I think it's a great, great deal for those kids at Nettleton School District because they get to see – a lot of those kids don't have a lot of fathers in their homes. And so they get to see a, of a, a kind of a role model out of Coach Johnson in that uh, school district. Well, I want to ask about the kids that might, in those short doses, even see that out of – Jay Cliff, because you talked about your upbringing. It might have been the rougher side of Tupelo, even though your mom did a great job of making sure that didn't change your story. Mm -hmm. But when that is your upbringing, you're going to cross paths with kids. You know they're in that upbringing right now. Mm -hmm. How's that help kind of break down those walls? Yeah, uh, I would would definitely say the relatability is uh, there. And also just, uh, and I'm pretty sure you guys know this with uh, having kids. Sometimes the kids just think they're smarter than you are sometimes. <laughs> and so uh, I've often found myself talking with a lot of kids like that where they think like, you know, they kind of have to do it themselves. I think that's one of the biggest mentalities that a lot of young men find themselves falling into where they feel like my mom's going through this my family's going through this i gotta figure this out on my own when they're like that's so not true that's so far from the truth that uh, you know there are some things you have to do yes but there's absolutely nothing wrong with uh, allowing somebody to help you or allowing somebody to even mentor you i think for my life that's something that i have learned even from my own past mistakes of like growing up i thought man i gotta get this done i gotta do this on my own i gotta be able to do this because if i don't do it nobody else will and although there might be some truth in the fact of like you gotta get up you gotta do something because at the end of the day nobody's gonna do the work that you're supposed to do but there is also an aspect that tag on to that that is you know hey you need to know you're not in this by yourself. You know, uh, one of the things I tell young men all the time: there's a difference between feeling alone and being alone. You know, a lot of a lot of kids uh, nowadays don't mind having that kind of "I'm a loner, I can do things, I'm, I, I I can be myself." And I was like, "Sure, you can be like that. I I was like that." But one thing I do know is there's a difference between saying, you know, I can be by myself, I can do this. But the moment you feel alone, that's a whole different thing. Feeling alone is like, I don't have anybody in my corner. I can't talk to anybody. And you're dealing with issues on your own and you're isolating yourself. And so that's one of the biggest things that I I try to leap over when it comes to most kids dealing with uh, that type of uh, way of thinking and that type of upbringing is they feel like I'm on this island and it's just me. And so I'm letting them know like, no, 
you're not on the island by yourself. All these guys on your team is on this island with you, and I'm on this island with you as well. We've covered a lot here. <laughs> we did start this off mentioning that you are part of the broadcast team now, yeah. and you're going to be co-hosting Wolf House with Carol Ritchie on our football Saturdays this year. I know you're excited for that. I am opportunity and we're thrilled to have you on the team Uh, you've also been out at practices i know you've caught one of the scrimmages Mm -hmm. give us your thoughts on what you've seen so far yeah i remember being out there last saturday and in my opinion i think this is going to be a great year i think that of course like any other team there's still some fine tuning that needs to be done you know it's beginning of the year And, and a lot of people that have played the sport and know that you know a lot of stuff is going to be coming out the first kind of game where you got to like see like, you know, some kinks or see some things that, you know, you obviously have to work on. That's normal. But I think overall, I think it's going to be a great year. And as a defensive guy, mm-hmm. you got to really like what you see right now because yeah. the defense looks good and maybe the strength of the defense is in the secondary. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to uh, Justin. His last name is uh, leaving me right now. But Parks or Hodges? Hodges. Okay. I know. I know J.P., the new mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, the corner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Transfer oh, from UCF. I like him. He uh, was a Garden one of receivers, and, I mean, he just jumped on him right on the line. And, and, and he came off to the sideline, and I was like, high five. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 and I was like, uh, I was like, man, I love that. Yeah, he was like, uh, he has this phrase. I don't think this phrase is too terrible, but he says, I'm in his draws. Like, say like, he's like, so... <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, okay, okay, I was like, okay all right, yeah, it's descriptive. <laughs> but he's just he said it to say like how far he's like, you know, yeah. got into this guy that you know he can't even get off the line, and I thought it was hilarious. But I, I really like him, and even uh, the defensive uh, minds that are the coaches that are there. I think they do a good job with scheme. Most defenses are very good when they can play fast, and I think they've done that to uh, a great degree to where they've made it so easy for those guys to pick up on things. That way the communication is fast, the communication is clear, and then also on the field they're able to communicate that same thing that they're talking about in the film room, and then that then leads to them being able to be more free and play more fast, which is great. The safeties, a lot of people know the linebacker as the quarterback of the defense, but uh, those safeties also are the quarterbacks of that back end. And so hearing those guys communicate, talk and fly around, even seeing those guys um, going after the ball. One thing you love for a defensive back to do is go after the ball. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, you see the defensive backs just kind of – Playing the receiver sometimes and not really paying attention to the ball, but uh, I think they I think they've been doing a good job of playing for the ball as well, just with the receivers kind of competing for the, in that aspect. Well, we've been talking a lot about coaches too. You're married to a coach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now, Bobo, he's, he's playing <laughs> he's playing coy here, but uh, I think he's proud of uh, where your your wife is now coaching. Yeah. Tell us about her. Yeah, so my wife is Erica Clifton. I definitely outkick my coverage. <laughs> Everybody tells me that. I, some of the young guys at the schools, I have to tell them, I was like, hey, stay away from my wife. You, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> she's doing an amazing job. Uh, she's at Green County Tech, uh, the mm-hmm. Eagles, you know. They have a game today, actually, but she is on fire. She loves it. And so she's always played volleyball and loves volleyball. Her family is a volleyball, like, family her mom coaches brother coaches it's, I mean, now, am i remembering right you guys met at 
an FCA camp. Is yep. that right? That same camp where I decided to go. Same one. Same one that we met at that camp. And funny enough, Darius was like, Darius Dunaway was like broadcasting me to everybody. He was like, hey, this is Justin Clifton. He's single, ready to mingle. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> That was an impactful camp. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. I met my wife, found a career and what I was going to do and everything at that one camp, and um, and she was great. I mean, even at the camp, we it we never thought it would happen. We just kind of just stayed in contact through a group message, and through that group message, uh, we ended up kind of talking in, uh, individually and. She played Harding? She played Harding, yeah. She was a setter. Speaking of quarterbacks of like the defense, she's the quarterback. Usually the setter is known as like the quarterback of the volleyball team because she's the one that – the setter is usually the one that touches the ball every time the ball comes over the net. And so, man, she has a great work ethic. She definitely knows more about volleyball than I think anybody I know knows. And um, she has a great passion for the same things as far as seeing kids. One – come to know who Jesus Christ is, but two, seeing kids develop and uh, furthering their careers in the sport that they love. You guys are starting a family? We are. We are. We had uh, our first appointment uh, two weeks ago, and uh, man, that was something, seeing that. uh, Yeah, that's a moment that that you never forget. That was mind-blowing. I was like, oh man, this is really in there. That's crazy. I was like... (laughs) We get through recording, I'm going to make my case for you to not find out the gender of this child. I'm going to lobby when we get done recording here. I am one of those people that, you know, I'm I'm not a big gender reveal guy. I'm more of a, just tell me what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a case and not even do that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. I mean, we'll talk off the, off the air. <laughs> well, Jay Cliff, thrilled you're on the team and uh, really enjoyed this visit, man. This was fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. I enjoyed it as well. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, I'm excited about what's going to be taking place here the next, what, 12, 13 weeks, man. I'm excited about being on the team with you guys. Can't wait. That's Justin Clifton joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We'll wrap things up right after this. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Red Wolf fans, this is Demario Davis, proud Red Wolf and linebacker for the New Orleans Saints. And I'm asking you to help out our current A-State student athletes by donating to the Impact Club. This organization helps our program stay competitive and supports our players by facilitating NIL agreements that allow them to endorse local charities, make a monthly commitment, and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access you won't find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at impactclub.com. Thank you and Wolves up. A-State soccer, they got the season started off. Last Thursday, we're in Fayetteville. They dropped their match to eighth-ranked Arkansas, but they came back, won the home opener on Sunday, defeating Southern by the score of 4-1, to one, so a 1-1 one and one yeah. start for well, Coach Dooley's team. They sort of, uh, as the phrase goes these days, they understood the assignment in opening on the road against the top 10 team. They kind of knew what they were getting into and knew that they were going to you know, get hit with a flurry, and that's sort of what happened. Uh, I thought what was interesting is you know they went over there 
like the day before that match, the Arkansas soccer team was going to be putting on a youth clinic. Yeah. And so they reached out and, and asked our bunch if they'd be interested in coming over early enough to do that clinic with them. And so that's what happened. They went over uh, on Wednesday and both teams, there was like a, I don't know, a hundred kids or something. So signed up for this youth soccer clinic that the Arkansas and Arkansas state players worked on together. I thought that was really interesting. And Megan McClure, who was our guest last week, she yep. had mentioned that they were going to do that. And I think you know, something you don't see very often with two schools combining to do a camp like that. But uh yeah, they were able to do that. Uh, obviously, coming back after the loss Thursday, winning Sunday, gets them in the win column for the first time this year. And then they'll be back at home coming up Thursday at 3, hosting Jackson State. And then on the road Sunday night, uh, they'll be at UCA. Meanwhile, the volleyball team is opening their regular season this week. They've played a couple of well exhibitions. They had the Scarlet and Black scrimmage, followed by... A uh, exhibition match at Ole Miss over the weekend. I heard uh, the little bit I heard about that was that they gave Ole Miss fits Saturday, and the, the parts I saw of the Scarlet Black scrimmage were really competitive. I mean, it was just like they were going at it. I, I mean, I, first set was over twenty five. I can't remember if it was twenty six or twenty seven. I mean, it's uh, they had two teams pretty evenly matched, and they went after it. The A State Invitational is this week, so the volleyball team gets to open the season at home. They'll play Friday at noon against Little Rock, and then uh, Friday at six they'll take on Louisiana Tech, and then wrap up the A State Invitational with the game against North Alabama. That'll be Saturday at four. So there's a little tie to every matching that thing right i mean little rock i don't need to tell you about that louisiana tech if you're an old school a state fan i don't gotta tell you about that no but north alabama's coached by tristan johnson who was david rear's assistant before brian gerwick glad to see the volleyball team get to open the season at home do want to touch on football uh they wrapped up preseason camp over the weekend with their final scrimmage on saturday the night before that you know had the a state football kickoff party and uh, really enjoyed that that was inside the student activity center on friday Uh, one of the cool parts of the event that i really enjoyed was having a player panel up on stage we had seven different players on stage during that event on friday night and one question that that i asked to everybody was you know who's that player in practice that makes you say wow and five of the seven players Gave the same name. Yeah, that was interesting. Jaquez Cross, the uh, running back, who's really looked good. Him and Zach Wallace, Cedric Hawkins, Brian Sneed, all expected to be part of that running back rotation this year. And they've all looked really good. But uh, Jaquez Cross, who we'll also see in the return game this year, returning kicks, he's that guy that has that extra burst and if he gets in the open field then look out but uh, he's had quite a camp and to have five of those guys on stage say his name i thought was uh pretty telling i agree it was because you know one after the other say well so-and-so took my answer but it's cross and yeah guy well i hate to just keep saying the same thing but my answer was cross <laughs> it was just the next one and the next one so yeah, it was pretty telling that uh just how often he kind of came up as a guy who's impressed his teammates in this fall camp one thing that has not been decided yet is who the starting quarterback will be against oklahoma and we've seen you know jt shrout along with jackson daly jalen rayner rotate 
the reps to this point, and we've seen it through practice and the scrimmages. And you know, Coach Jones knows that you know whoever's going to start against Oklahoma, he needs to you know, get them more reps as uh, we get closer to the season. So that that decision we know will come soon. But it's been interesting to kind of see that play out. We've got. Uh, a transfer with a lot of experience and of course we, we got to visit a lot with JT a few weeks ago when he was in here but uh, a couple of freshmen have been able to kind of show what they can do during camp as well. Coach Jones was pretty uh, transparent I think on Wednesday he did media after practice and I actually heard it on the ticket radio network heard his comments were uh, at that point in time he said hey I, I feel like one of these quarterbacks have really kind of taken that job by the throat yet. And I know the coaches don't want to have to decide who the quarterback is. They want the players and one of those players to rise above and make it clear yeah, who the quarterback is. That's for any team. Coaches don't want to have to sit down and have to talk out who the quarterback ought to be. What else we got? Anything so else we need to talk about While here? we were recording this podcast, while we were talking with Justin Clifton, the 2023 Hall of Honor class was officially announced. These four folks, they're going to be inducted Friday night, September 22nd, right before the conference opener against Southern Miss. That'll be in the club level at the stadium. Always one of my favorite events. Yeah, and uh, the class this year, Candon Powell, who is around really the, the first time when I kind of showed up and first started working at A-State, Candon Powell was dominating. He was there from 02 to 05. He won eight Sunbelt titles in his time, four indoor, four outdoor. Finished fourth at the uh, 2005 Indoor Championships in the weight throw. So he was All-American, a phenomenal career here as a thrower. He's going in. It's been a while since men's golf has, has had an inductee. Quite honestly, was uh, overdue. And uh, Brian McCann, who was actually uh, in his collegiate career when I showed up as a student at Arkansas State, he played from 94 to 97, three-time all-conference pick, and uh, was a part of the first A-State team that played in a regional and finished top five in the conference championship back-to-back years. He's going in and, uh, and is in the Golf Ontario Hall of Fame. He's still involved in the game of golf. All right. Well, Canada. if he if he's hey. in the Golf Ontario Hall of Fame, then he should be in the uh, A State Hall of Honor. He called us up, and said, "You better put me in, or you'll be sorry." <laughs> That's right, eh? Hey, hey. Yep. Uh, Dre Gamble, the only three-time Sunbelt Conference yep. Player of the Year in league history, will go in, and that's well, here's the deal with that. And we knew that. Drea needed to go in as soon as she was eligible. I didn't realize she was turning 30, which is one of the requirements. You've got to be 30 years old, but she's about to turn 30. Yeah. When she got the call she's going in, she was not yet 30, but she was going to turn 30 before the banquet. So it's her first year, literally first weeks of eligibility. One of my favorite of our student athletes ever. Just a fantastic person and couldn't be happier for Drake. I mean, I had the, you know, the good fortune of called you know, a lot calling of her games, her games yeah. yeah, and saw a lot of that from a really good standpoint and the things she did here in this program. And then the monster, yeah. Reggie Arnold. You know, him and Corey Leonard will forever be linked. And, of course, Corey went in this past year. And now to see uh, Reggie go in, that's awesome. Came painfully. Close he, to he four 1,000-yard seasons. Yeah, 1,000-yard seasons in his first three years. And um, what, finished with 940-something as a senior? Yeah. Great player here, three-time all-conference pick, and Reggie Arnold going into the Hall of Honor. Very good class. That all we got? 
I'm going to tell one story here. All right, come on. And I was going to tell the story and I, without even realizing or forgetting that, that Jay Cliff was the guest and he his ties with FCA and him talking about God working in mysterious ways. I saw that myself over the weekend in a sort of a comical way. So not only does he work in mysterious ways, but he has a sense of humor. So it was move-in weekend at Arkansas State. Uh-huh. And you know this. We have uh, family friends of ours who have a, a son that's uh, – they'd lived here all this kid's life. But his family just moved to Louisiana. Mm-hmm. He wanted to still go to Arkansas State, so he moved in this weekend. And my wife and me to a certain extent, but a lot more Paige, helped him get moved in to the Griffin House for business students is where he's staying and so i finished up i was at the bid day for the sororities at the stadium yeah. I, I was up for that and i walked over to where they were getting him moved in his dorm and his mother was not able to make this trip but his mother is one who's gonna make sure no stone was left unturned sure that's gonna what send. Do. matter of fact uh, his dad at one point told him hey this whole this whole bin full of stuff right here we're moving under your bed is stuff you will probably never need and one of the things before I got there, and I didn't know this, but one of the things they specifically made fun of, if we're being honest, and laughed about was that his mother had packed him a big, full eyeglass repair kit. <laughs> okay. Full of little screwdrivers and the screws and the whole bit. And they were like, as they came across there, were like, oh, only your mother would send this eyeglass repair kit. This conversation was had before I got there. So I get there and doing this, that, and the other thing. And, and I'm getting ready to leave. And I've got my sunglasses with me. And I grab my sunglasses to put them on. And one of the end pieces falls off on the floor. Well, thank God for that eyeglass repair kit that was right there. And they grabbed the eyeglass <laughs> repair kit from the bin of stuff you're never going to need. <laughs> Grab the little screwdriver, and in 30 seconds, my glasses I bet you were. weren't laughing anymore. <laughs> glasses were as good as new. You're right. That's uh, that's definitely not something you would ever expect to need, but it, it, it came in handy. Two hours into the time on campus. Hey, uh, thanks to Justin Clifton. Really appreciate uh, him coming in today. Thrilled that he's on our broadcast team now. And what a special guy. What a great story that he has for everyone that's been a part of this one. For Brad, I'm Matt. Have a great week, everybody.